You are listening to The Heart of Christ, a year-long podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. Throughout 2022, we will spend time reflecting on Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, so we can come to know not only what Jesus has done, but who he is. What is his deepest heart for his people, people who are weary, stumbling, sinners, and sufferers? So we invite you to grab your Bibles, prepare your hearts, and come along with us as we find rest in the gentle and lowly heart of Christ. Welcome to episode 19, our final episode of our Heart of Christ podcast season. My name is Keith Winder, one of the pastors of Wheatland. And today I am joined again by Luke LeDuc, our senior pastor. And in today's episode, we're going to do some reflecting on our year-long journey through Gentle and Lowly, and we'll also take a few minutes at the end to look forward to 2023 at Wheatland. Before we get started on our discussion, I want to take just a moment to talk about some recent news regarding Dane Ortland and Naperville Presbyterian Church, where Dane serves as senior pastor. Some of you have, may have read that about two weeks ago, Christianity Today published a report about the firing of a female employee at Naperville Presbyterian. And in the article, which has been verified by other sources, Christianity Today magazine reported that an investigation by the state of Illinois found that an employee at Naperville, her name is Emily Highland, was fired as an act of what they described as retaliation because of her report of gender discrimination. So she reported this gender discrimination, and then about two weeks later, she was fired as an act of retaliation, it's reported. As the situation continues to unfold, we are praying that the gospel of Jesus Christ would take hold of the hearts and minds of all those involved at the church, and also that there would be repentance where repentance is needed, that people would be protected and comforted in their time of pain, and that all churches, including Naperville and also us here at Wheatland, that this would serve as a reminder that we must constantly deepen our commitment to being a place of refuge and peace. For those who come here to Wheatland hurting, or here skeptical, or they're here struggling to believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, as we continue working through this book and close out our discussion on this book, our prayer is that Wheatland will be a place that truly reflects the gentle and lowly Savior that we worship, a church that embraces and embodies the justice and the love that God has for his people. And Luke, throughout this year, I've talked with a number of people at Wheatland about how we should look at justice in love. I think this seems to be the thing. If people read this book and have questions, it seems to be the question of how do these two interact with each other? So Mm -hmm. are justice and love in conflict with each other? Mm -hmm. Are justice and love sort of working alongside each other, but they don't talk? Or are like justice... you and me, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except when you right. force me into a podcast. podcast, put a mic in front of you. Or do justice and love actually work together and they're doing the same thing? Mm. Um, and so I want to reflect on this idea, and it's done in, in the book in the last couple of chapters using Romans 5 and John 13. In Romans 5, uh, some of these are really familiar verses. Paul writes about God's love and justice securing our justification. So I want to read. 
just a couple of verses, then take, say, a few sentences, and then read a couple more. So Romans 5, verses 6 through 8 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so I think what we hear in this, these verses in Romans 5 is that while we were still sinners, while we were alienated from God, while we were children of wrath, in God's love, he sends Jesus to die for us. And so in Jesus' death, we are made justified, made righteous, we're brought into right relationship with God. So while we were still sinners, God does this. And then Paul continues and he says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So Paul takes it toward of, to the next step, which is while we were sinners, God in his love and justice, he justified us, made us righteous. And then he says, if God's love and justice reconciled us to God when we were sinners, now that we are reconciled, now that we are living as children of God, it would sort of be, and I think this is how I'm interpreting this, a breach of God's justice to sort of to leave us alone and let us fall back into some sort of uh, unreconciled or out of relationship with mm-hmm. God. And so I like that picture there of um, God's justice as something that keeps us in relationship, not mm-hmm. just accomplishing that relationship, but keeping us in relationship. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that and its interaction with love, how, how, how do you see then God's justice and love interacting or working together in our salvation, not just at this moment of conversion, but throughout our entire lives? Yeah, I think that's a really... I think your question there about not just at salvation, but throughout our entire lives, is a really important piece of God's love and justice. Not being, not being people who coexist but don't talk to each mm-hmm. other, but actually pulling in the same direction and being very much tied to the whole purposes that God has in the world. Because I think about... Um, well, two things. Part of our, part of our difficulty with wondering how God's love and justice work together, I wonder. I'm asking this, so you. This is. I'm throwing a wrench into your question here, <laughs> Winder. But I'm asking if I wonder how that's tied to our tendency to view our salvation as something that is completely finished. Now, I I think I want to be careful there because I'm not saying that your salvation hasn't been fully paid for and accomplished Mm -hmm. in the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's the sine qua non, the, um, the, the one thing that we cannot give away that what God has done in the world in Jesus is the act of salvation that once and for all seals his children for whom he came. And yet, 
the reality is that the rest of the New Testament talks a lot about us being saved mm-hmm. and working out um, our salvation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that idea of we are moving towards a goal that God has set for all of those who are being saved. So I wonder if some of our difficulty with trying to put love and justice together is our view that salvation is something that happened. And and now, how, how do we think about God's... When in reality, I think, what's much closer to the scriptural um, image of salvation is that God is always, and I think this is what Dane Ortland is doing helpfully in the book at so many places, is saying Jesus is always pursuing us and coming against our sin while rescuing us from that sin so that we are actually being transformed. Is Does that make sense a little bit as to turn the question and ask, well, have we viewed salvation as this static thing that happened for us in the past? And now, you know, God's justice, God's wrath against sin, all of that was back there, but it has nothing to do with where I'm at right yeah. now. Yeah, I'm not, as you know, I'm not one to like to think out loud and propose new ideas the yeah, first that, time it comes I to know. my head. We, we actually did um, talk about this podcast yeah, yeah. before, and I didn't bring that up. But but now, but you saying that, I wonder if, um, so we talk about God's kingdom as already and not yet. Right. That it has been established mm-hmm. in Jesus, in his life, death, resurrection, ascension. Yeah. And now, it is being worked out, to take Paul's mm-hmm. words on our mm-hmm. sanctification, to work out your own salvation, in a sense... That establishing of God's kingdom is being worked out uh, until its final, its culmination and completion when Jesus returns. Do you, could you, do you think we, so then when when people um, overemphasize its sort of establishment, we we call it what an Mm overrealized eschatology that he's done all, that things, way more can happen now than is actually possible that Jesus is really going to accomplish more when he comes back. Are you making an argument in a sense that we might have an overrealized view of salvation? That we should see it more in the already not yet? That it has been accomplished once and once and and with finality in the mm-hmm. sense of mm-hmm. in our conversion, we have been justified. It is an act and not a work. Yeah. But it works out in right. this already not yet. Yeah. Toward toward a future. Is that what you're arguing? Yeah, that that's that's all that I'm trying to point out is that sanctification is part of God's wrath against sin in the same way that justification mm-hmm. was God's wrath yeah. against sin. Does that yeah. make sense? So that's mm-hmm. that's really the only thing I was trying to get at in a very unhelpful and undiscussed way. <laughs> You're hearing it live right here, but uh, no, you're not hearing it live, but you know what I mean. Um, so I, I I, just think that that's actually a, when we experience pain um, as believers, when we experience difficult 
things that we come up against in our own lives of faith, in our relationships, in, in our jobs, in, in other places. Um, how do we see that as God's love and justice mm-hmm. still at work in us rather than just something that happened mm-hmm. at the cross? but the ongoing work of God in us as... And, and I think that keeps them together in a different way. And I know it's a different... Que- it's not a philosophical answer to the question about love and justice, but it's more of a justification, sanctification. Because what the Reformed tradition has always been really careful about is keeping those two things together, justification God's wrath against sin and his love for sinners, together with sanctification, Mm -hmm. God's love for sinners and his wrath against sin. They're they're not separate entities. It's not a stage that you progress from. It is two sides, as many, many theologians have talked Mm -hmm. about, two sides to the same coin. Yeah, that's helpful for you to think about because I, I probably... Uh, almost always equate ju- God's justice with justification, of course, mm. because it's in the Word. Mm-hmm. So it's hard mm-hmm. not to. Right. But I, I don't often connect the moments of sanctification in my life with God's justice. I think of God's justice, and I immediately think of uh, His like the 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 payment and punishment of sin, the defeat of evil. And then, of course, as soon as I think of that, I think of Jesus on the cross. So I'm going to go there right away, mm-hmm. which I should. Yeah. Um, but I also should see the moments in my life that, as we've talked about, are painful. Uh, these moments of sanctification that produce some pain, as all, that is also God's justice right. playing out in my life when he's making things right that are mm-hmm. wrong. Uh, whether it's a relationship or whether it's just sin in my mm-hmm. life, he's mm-hmm. making things right in the same way that he accomplished that on the cross. But now throughout my life, he's making things right. And yeah, that's justice. That transformation. Yeah, that's justice and, and transformation. And and I think, you, I don't know if it was once we started recording or before we started recording, but you were talking about God's justice is that he will not leave us. Was that once we started mm-hmm. recording? He will not leave us in... His justice demands that we come out of those places for which he has crushed the power of mm-hmm. sin in the world and in us and and, in, yeah. and for his people and moves us towards the place that he mm-hmm. um, is, is taking us. And so I think, yeah, that's part of, I don't know, that's a different way. I don't think I've ever talked about this either so your question got me thinking about this well i was thinking um so i'm just thinking about talking through this idea uh on monday in our men's bible study we're studying matthew when we have been for a year and a half now and we're only on matthew 18 so it's going to be it's going to be a good bit through matthew in the new year it's going to be a good bit till we get through i can get all your notes yeah that's true so so matthew 18 well it's in luke maybe for a little Bible quiz in my head but Prodigals? the story of, of yeah the, well the shepherd that as well but the story oh. of the shepherd leaving the 99 oh, to get right. the one okay and so it's it's briefly mentioned in Matthew 18 and and I was thinking about it's 
God's love that moves him to get that one, but it's also his justice. He wants to make things, he wants to set things right mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And so, well, yeah, when we were talking about God's justice won't let him give up on us, uh, it would be him going to get that one sheep, the shepherd, bringing him into the fold, and now he has that one there, but then just ignoring that one and just leaving it uh, to, to just wander and drift mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Well, that would, that would be, not only would that, not be loving, but that would be an affront to God's justice. No, he set things right for this sheep mm-hmm. in a sense. He brought it back in. And so his justice maintains that mm-hmm. uh, made rightness, mm-hmm. I guess, if mm-hmm. I would describe it in some way. So I think, yeah, in that sense, justice and love work together because right. justice won't allow God to let us go in this because he's made us right. In the same way that love won't allow God yeah. to let us go. And and particularly over people whom he has set his love. Mm-hmm. If his kingdom banner has been erected over the life of his people, then his love and his justice will be worked out in, mm-hmm. in those places. And I think that's what makes um, our work as a congregation such important work on both ends of that uh, to to be able to recognize the ways in which I mean a few weeks ago I preached about the ways in which um, the world gets justice wrong um, and and the ways in which the church gets justice wrong frankly as well but the reality that we as a congregation in the way in which we live with each other, have an opportunity to live out those tensions uh, with love and justice and be a bright witness um, in, in a time and space where there's lots of talk on both sides of this. We have a, an obligation, a duty to live with each other in ways that tell the gospel story of God's love and justice. And I think that's an, another sort of wrinkle mm-hmm. that we also didn't talk about before the podcast. Sorry, Keith. No, no. I, yeah, I agree. It's, it's um, yeah, what, what, I mean, our world needs tons of things, but desperately right. needs to see the church hold these two things together and not see them at odds Mm -hmm. uh, with each other, which because it's so difficult, our tendency then when it's difficult to hold two things together is to either intentionally or unintentionally put them at odds or think we have to pick one. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes, uh, you know, if you don't have the, if you don't have the Holy spirit helping you and walking you through this, yeah. You, you do have to pick one, almost, it feels mm-hmm. like, because this is an impossible work. Yeah, to pick one is better Spirit. than to pick none. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's an impossible work without the Holy Spirit. And right. so, and it, it will does... be misunderstood mm-hmm. on, on, on yeah. both sides. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, in, in John 13, 1, Jesus is with his disciples. Uh, and if you're familiar with John, John 13 to 17 are sort of his yeah. his last. <laughs> not if you're familiar. Oh, okay. I see. <laughs> you, you read it a few times, I hope. Um, and so Jesus says in his last big moments with his disciples, 
Uh, John's describing this moment. He says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Mm. And so I like to focus on that idea. He loved them to the end. And when I'm reading this, I'm thinking about what is going to happen right after John reports this. So John Mm -hmm. says, Jesus loved them to the very end. And the next sort of thing that happens in that interaction is that Jesus, in the next, well, in the next very moment, Jesus uh, shares with them the Lord's Supper as part of the Passover meal, and then it moves to his arrest and his death Mm -hmm. and resurrection. And so I think as we're trying to, as a church, finish this book and then let it sink deep the roots into our lives of be a people who come and find rest in mm-hmm. Jesus, who is gentle mm-hmm. and lowly. Mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful that John says he loved them to the end, and then the next thing that happens in this interaction is a meal, mm-hmm. uh, and this particular meal. And so as, we, as I think about looking forward to 2023 and we, and we move forward as a church, and we try to take the comfort of this gentle and lowly Savior with us. I think one of the ways that we can continue to come to Jesus, and thankfully it's built into the rhythm of our church at Wheatland, is that we come in our weekly eating of the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. So how, how would you say that the Lord's Supper continues to instill in us, especially this weekly rhythm of mm-hmm. that meal? How does that instill in us, or how is it such a significant part of weary and heavy laden people coming to Jesus to find rest. Hmm. Yeah, that's it's a great it's a great thing to meditate upon and I think it has are we finishing up one year of weekly communion as well or oh, is it two question. years? I Yeah, I lost. think we tried to start it during COVID but then that stopped. So it probably right. has been about it's a been year and a half one maybe. Year, one year and a half. Well, maybe. we no we started it in advent, so it's either been one year or two or years. Two. I don't remember. If it's better for your the way you're going to describe it, let's say it's one. Okay, well, on the one-year anniversary, yeah. or the two-year anniversary, <laughs> whatever the case may be. Um, I think one of the ways in which this coming to eat the supper weekly, the, the reason I think our session was eager to put this as a part of our weekly life together was that it keeps the gospel of Jesus at the center of our worship service in an incredibly um, physical, spiritual... It keeps it right at the center of our entire morning, in a mm-hmm. sense. Um, and I think that that is an incredible reminder for us um, about how the gospel has to be not just information, but it has to be something that gets deep into us and becomes a transformative part of our experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've talked a lot, probably ad nauseum, um, about the significance that what Jesus gives us is a meal that 
shares his love, something that is, is a physical thing that you eat and it goes deep inside you, and that your body actually transforms and mm-hmm. it takes this dead thing and turns it into life. I mean, we've done a lot of talk, mm-hmm. at least either privately or sometimes publicly, whatever. There's a lot of that in the imagery of food and how our bodies absorb it and what we do with you know dead matter we turn our bodies not because not by a sheer act of will or force mm-hmm. but our bodies take death and transform it into life that would remain yeah right but i think having that at the center of our worship together is this really rich image of a gentle and lowly savior whose death and sacrifice for us becomes our life is not just a matter of information. It's a matter that must move from our head. And this is such a trite evangelical <laughs> trope, but it must move from our heads. Yeah. And I'll skip the heart and go like deep into our gut. Mm-hmm. In, in the Old Testament, the right. gut was the center of... Mm-hmm of emotions and and life and it wasn't the heart as much as it was the bowels mm-hmm. um and i think that's at least one way in which having the supper weekly reminds us that it's not enough to know this it's not enough to have all of your t's crossed and your i's dotted mm-hmm. on the gospel although that's very important and i'm not dismissing that but along with our hard work in the preaching is this tacit acknowledgement that if you don't actually eat this it does nothing for you Um, it's not enough to know it it has to go deep into the belly and and it's in that that we're transformed Mm -hmm. this physical act of eating is is just an incredible reminder for us mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i think i mean it's it's no it's no secret that our our practices and especially the practices the things that we do most regularly mm-hmm. are going to be the things that most shape us mm-hmm. and so so the the more regularly we can engage in in different practices that um not only just in our minds feed us information about the gospel, but but physically engage us with the story of the gospel, then those are the things that we should be seeking as best we can to fill to fill our lives with, because that's what's going that's what's mm-hmm. going to shape us. Mm-hmm. Not just the things that we read, although that's very necessary, and we'll talk about it for the coming year. But right. also the things that we are physically engaging in. Yeah. In the Lord's Supper is yeah. one of the more, I would, I mean, it's one of the more physical, like all-encompassing physical mm-hmm. things that we do as and, a practice. And I think it speaks to the. <laughs> it's the fact of trust and mystery. Mystery, like mm-hmm. you cannot, and, and I just nodded to this a second ago, but you cannot make yourself take something dead. Chew it, swallow it, and transform it. You, this is a mystery. I mean, we know a lot about the process, but the fact that it works, the fact that it does what it does, mm-hmm. is 
totally apart from anything that we can we can engineer or manufacture. Mm-hmm. So this deep humility, this trust that if I'm going to live, I'm going to eat this. And I think that adds to um, the mystery and the reality of what we try to say here a lot, that information is really important. We work hard to preach clearly and to preach through the scriptures, drawing on um, the resources of the Reformed tradition and all of the scholarship and the scholars upon whose shoulders we stand as we do all this. All, all Information is very important to us, but we're not relying on information for sanctification. You know, we're not doing sanctification by information alone. Mm-hmm. There is this mystical work of the Spirit who is alive in us and among us and doing things that are beyond our prescription. Mm-hmm. And this is the life of God by His Spirit in the church. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how uh, justice and love often get uh, put against each other, or at the very least, just sort of side-by-side side things. You have to pick one and rely on one. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how, I think, with a with a somewhat renewed emphasis on habits and practices maybe in the last four or five years, at least in our particular segment of the evangelical world. Right. It has created, uh, sometimes people now feel like they have to take a side on information versus mm-hmm. practice and habit. Yeah, right, right. And what we're trying to say is like, no, like you desperately need both of these. Mm-hmm. These are not in conflict with each other mm-hmm. and they're not running parallel and not interacting. Like yeah. both of these are working together yeah. for our sanctification. And we can recognize places where people have, you know, highlighted one to the exclusion of the other mm-hmm. and or, or vice versa, but we're not trying, this is not a reaction against mm-hmm either one of these yeah. it is yes and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and so so as you know um we're we're going to follow up this year's 2022 discipleship focus which was gentle and lowly and having these sunday evening services that we had and also doing working through the book in this podcast so we'll follow this up with uh, something new in 2023 a new initiative um in some ways, our 2023 new discipleship initiative is not new at all because we, we are bringing back some uh, aspects of what we did in 2019. Um, we're going back to some of the more foundational gifts, I would call it, that God has given us as we seek rest and love in the gentle, lowly Christ. So how do we continue to be a people who sometimes are weary and worn down uh, seeking and finding rest in the gentle, lowly Christ. And so two of the most, three of the most basic things that we have been given are word, prayer, and fellowship. And so we're still finalizing some mm-hmm. of the details on uh, how this will look, mm-hmm. and we'll communicate more formally in the next couple of weeks, especially after people get through Christmas and New Year's because people are running around and we'll be able to hear it uh, better later in January. But I thought it'd be helpful to take just a few minutes to talk uh, through these ideas, uh, focusing on word or scripture, prayer, and fellowship, and like why we think it's important to Mm -hmm. come back to these uh, over. Not that we left them at all, but like why we why we come back to these as a focus again 
this year word prayer and fellowship yeah. for our congregation yeah i think i mean it occurs to me that when you lay those three things out these means of grace um along with the sacraments baptism and the lord's supper which are part of our life together on an ongoing and regular basis especially with all the babies that keep mm-hmm. <laughs> being baptized keep, keep, keep coming here at Wheatland. But um, no, I think, I think these three things, word, prayer, fellowship, become that, uh, f- become that rounded approach to Christian transformation that values information and mm-hmm. um, transformation in, in equal parts and, and says yes to both of them without, mm-hmm. you know, so I, and, and of course this is, you didn't invent this. This is mm-hmm. why this has been a right. part of the Christian right. tradition for forever. But um, yeah, I think it's one of those things that in reality, we always have to keep hitting the reset button on because mm-hmm. our life in the world, as we've talked about in other places, is one of always course correcting it's not that our destination has changed it's that the winds and the current have ebbed or flowed and and different winds are blowing and they're pushing us this way and so we've got to it's not that we're doing something new we're coming back to the same heading that we've been on on this journey but we might be having to come back from it from a different um angle so maybe i don't know i'm just off the top of my head here, but um, coming out of COVID, I mean, that's, it's been a while now, but um, that was an isolating time for many people. And, and we're still coming out of habits of isolation, mm-hmm. yeah. particularly, I think, with the way in which we um, consume online media, news, um, social media, all those things. This is a new reality. This isn't going anywhere. And so our course correction is going to take into account the reality of um, social media, the hot takes of news and, and information and, and information overload, all of that stuff. So I, I think these are not any new disciplines, but they're sturdy enough uh, for the ex- the 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 challenges that we face in our own time and place, so fellowship that feels like oh I don't want to go out and be again around people because I've got my fill of people online. Well, is is that what what's going on there? Um, have have you really got your fill of people, or have you gotten something else? I I don't know, yeah. but I think these three things serve as um the old old formula for life in communion with God and each other mm-hmm. that is what we need for our time and um yeah we're, we're coming out of different places um with in our, in our own time and space today but it's 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 the thing that the body of Christ does in the world yeah, and one thing I one thing I've always appreciated about how these so this will be 2019, 2020. So this is year the fifth year that we've mm-hmm. done these. Mm-hmm. I've I've always appreciated the uh, at least the attempt 
to make this both an individual and a communal yeah. uh, work. Mm-hmm. And so we're always trying to find ways that, okay, what, what, what can people do as individuals uh, in this? Mm-hmm. And then also, how yeah. do we invite people together right. to walk through? Yeah. And so that's always fun. It's a, we put that pressure on ourselves, in a sense, to make mm-hmm. sure that we, we come right. up with both aspects of that. Right. Uh, but I think it's, it's necessary. And, because, and I think, like, to that end, I was just talking about coming out of our isolation. But what we're also saying by re-emphasizing the word is saying that you need times of isolation with <laughs> with the scriptures not with words or other other mm-hmm. forms of media what you need times of isolation with are with the living breathing word of yeah. god yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah just to cover both ends mm-hmm. of that in a sense yeah, so I would encourage you, uh, Wheatland family, to look for, we'll have emails and handouts and announcements in the next couple of weeks as we roll out the yeah. the general and also the, the specifics of yeah. this. What are some, can you give us a little more general details, Keith? Yeah, just to so, sort of wet our... so we will, our, our push will be to, again, uh, read through the Bible in a year. And mm-hmm. so we'll, as we've done before, we'll have um, bookmarks for people, but also we'll, we'll point you to... Some apps, whether it's the Read Scripture app, mm-hmm. which is focused on Bible reading and it helps you walk through a plan and gives you reminders. Uh, mm-hmm. Or if you want to take things even further and dig deeper, uh, the Bible Project has an app which is related to the Read Scripture app, but the mm-hmm. Bible Project app has a ton of resources right. to, as yeah. you walk through the scriptures. Right. Um, so those two things. We'll, we're also organizing and planning uh, Sunday evening, a little prayer and, and praise services or uh, services that will have prayer and singing and maybe reflections. Like and an so, evening yeah, prayer Yeah, it will continue. Plus, yeah. So in that sense, it will continue a rhythm we established in this last year mm-hmm. of having uh, monthly Sunday evening services. Mm-hmm. But this will, uh, the services will be structured a little bit differently little bit, to focus yeah. more on prayer and fellowship. And then we're also working through having... Uh, different monthly fellowship gatherings and mm-hmm. um, just more intentional times. Yeah. yeah, to try to invite people to to be together yeah. and and eat together and have meals and, mm-hmm. and fellowship together. So that's some of the stuff that we are working on. Some of it's set in stone. Some of it's still in process mm-hmm. over the next couple of days. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, and I'm also excited about how it can keep taking things that we've been doing, whether it's in sermon series mm-hmm. or in reading Gentle and Lowly, mm-hmm. and just further push us toward Jesus and mm-hmm. resting in him. And then, and not resting in him just as an individual, but as a community, as our, our church mm-hmm. resting mm-hmm. in Jesus and yeah. hopefully reflecting his gentleness uh, to the world and to those around us. So... Well, thanks, Luke, for for being willing and walking through this with me today in the last, well, you've done it a number of times with me, and also for other people who've listened. Thanks for listening yeah. throughout and the year. It's been great to go through this book, yeah. uh, but also great to go through the book with other people, Yeah, um, not just on my own and reading and, for myself. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say to you, Keith, uh, thank you for leading this episode or this podcast uh form of our year together in gentle and lowly and doing such a great job of organizing and executing uh this podcast that i know has been a lot of fun for 
so many people to listen to and been helpful. But also, it's been fun for me to hear different voices from mm-hmm. the congregation that you normally don't get to mm-hmm. sit with and hear. So that's been a, a really great part, too. But anyway, thank you yeah. for all your work, and um, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to The Heart of Christ, a podcast of Wheatland Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit wheatlandpca.org.